I am so happy to welcome you as we gather as the Christ Journey family once again. Beautiful season. And second message in our countdown to series or countdown to Christmas series. And uh, wherever you're making your connection with us today, Kendall Campus, Gables Campus, across this nation or around the world, our prayer is that peace from God would be yours through the promises that we find in Christ. Now, uh, I took my three-year-old grandson on a field day recently, and it was so much fun. It was just him, just me, and a backpack full of essentials, mostly snacks. And the theme, the recurring theme for our time together was this. I'm hungry, pops. Can I have another snack? And of course, I uh, had to oblige, but I'm telling you, he's a small body with a big appetite and um, feeds something within me too. Makes a preacher think of verses like, how blessed those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Or there's actually a verse in the song that Mary wrote uh, from the Christmas story called the Magnificat that uh, once Elizabeth confirms God's blessing in her trusting his will to be accomplished in her womb. Mary says this, he has filled the hungry with good things, but the rich he has sent away empty. Now, West is little, I mean, three and a half years old now, um, but he fills a big place in my heart. Uh, he meets a hunger. I have a hunger in my heart. And, um, and I guess we're all hungry for something, aren't we? I mean, kids and grown-up kids alike. We hunger and we thirst for meaning. We hunger for love, for validation, for um, to know that we count, to know that we matter. Sometimes we think that it's only the big thing that's going to feed that hunger. You know, the big promotion, the perfect job, the bigger house, the uh, whatever. And yet Mary, of course, had none of those. And yet was feeling that God was filling her hungers with good things. She calls herself humble and hungry. Those are euphemisms for small. And yet God was doing something big in her life. She, uh, she reflects to us the words of prophet Zechariah where he said, don't despise the day of small things. Zechariah 4, verse 10. And so I want us to think about that today for a few moments, and I want us to think about why. Because even in our day, we have reason not to belittle the small. For instance, the microchip, very small, but is being used right now to manage what's called big data, right? And literally disrupting the world Though small, big impact. Did you know Gandhi? He was small. Gandhi was five foot, five inches tall. Small guy, big impact on an entire nation. Speaking of small guys, how about Spud Webb? You heard about Spud? He, uh, shortest, one of the shortest players in NBA history. He's shorter than I am. But um, you know what he's famous for? Winning the slam dunk competition. Check this out. I didn't actually to win it. Nobody believed. Maybe he'll dunk one and that'll be it. You know, I knew the repertoire of dunks I could do. I've been dunking since 12th grade. And now, Spud's first attempt. Oh, my! 5'7", Spud Webb. Cole! Oh, oh, what a beauty. Let's see what Spud comes up with. Woo! 
clear crowd favorite, Webb took everyone by surprise, including his teammate and defending champion, Dominique Wilkins. Spud kind of duped him, uh, told Nick he never had anything prepared, didn't practice for it. So therefore, Nick maybe thought that his normal assortment would be good enough to get through. <laughs> Take that, little guy. Everybody knew he could jump. He's doing 360s off the rim. He's doing pumps backwards. I like Spud. Where did that come from? And with a slam dunk title on the line, Spud saved his best for last. Look, Phil, you get down. I'm leaving. I toss it lob and rivers. Yes, come on now. Come on. Our new slam dunk champion was an incredible upset. And they told him that he was too short to play basketball when he was younger, too short to play basketball. In fact, his first game in junior high school, he scored 20 points, first game. Did you know, but, and he's been slam dunking the ball since he was five foot three inches tall. Did you know that God loves small things? that God makes a big difference with small things, that God loves to use small things. One thing we celebrate on Parent Dedication Weekend is the big difference God makes through the small children in our lives. And so we partner as church with family to say we're here together to make it through the challenges that we're going to face in the future. Um, what small things have you seen God use? A text, a tweet, a song, a meal, a smile, maybe a flower. I mean, those are just things from this week in my life that I have experienced. Jesus said God uses small things. Uses a little boy's lunch. He uses a cup of cold water. That God uses the few coins from a widow. That, um, that God uses a mustard seed. In fact, every great mighty oak, even the Dade County oaks, were once an acorn, right? A nut, little things, big thing. But Zechariah says, don't despise the day of small things. And in fact, Paul, when he's writing to people in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, he essentially says this, look around at your church. Look around at one another. You're not going to see many people the, word cons the world considers wise or rich or uh, gifted. Not many celebrities going to church in Corinth. But why is that? Because God chooses to use the small, the so-called nobodies of the world. Sherlock Holmes once said, nothing is small or to a great mind, nothing is little. And surely that applies to the great mind of God. God loves to use small things. Joseph, small-time carpenter, working man from a small town, old little town of Bethlehem. But does God go big with him? Yes. Mary, his betrothed, by her own words, a nobody special, by Mary's Magnificat that she writes, she doesn't, she, the Magnificat isn't about celebrity hype about the next big pop star on the scene. No, here's what she says. She refers to her humble state, to her hunger and her servant status. 
and how in her humility, God has shown himself mighty and good. And she's just blown away. In fact, this is what she says, Luke 1, 46. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Verse 49, the mighty one has done great things for me, like little old me. Verse 52, he has lifted up the humble and he has filled the hungry with good things, but the rich he has sent away empty. All because when the angel brought to her God's plan for a virgin to be with child and then um, and then explains to her that it's because nothing shall be impossible with God. She says, I'm the Lord's servant. Be it unto me according to to your word. He doesn't say, I'm the Lord's celebrity wannabe. No, I'm here to serve. Small words, but huge impact. She says yes to God. Now, yes is a small word. Yes? Yes. Small word. But when you say yes to a big God, it can make a big difference. And of course, to Mary, this is like amazing. What he does with her yes is amazing. Now, on the other hand, it's problematic for Joseph. Story tells us about that. Not to mention her parents. Can you imagine? I mean, I'm sure in, uh, in, in a Jewish marriage, there were three steps. First, the families, the two families would agree to the union. Secondly, it would be announced publicly, kind of like an engagement would be announced today, except that this official engagement then, the relationship could only be broken by death or divorce. And, um, and no sexual relationships were, uh, no sexual relations are allowed. And then third, the couple marries and then they live together. Now, when Mary starts showing, you can imagine it's a big deal. Because if there's one thing Joseph knows for sure, it's that it's not his. And her parents, I mean, and then when she tries to offer the explanation, this is a stretch about who the father really is. There's a bit of a stretch. Wouldn't you say? I mean, even if your mom and dad, and this is your daughter, and that is her explanation. Even if you know that she always tells the truth, that she never lies, and that she always tries to do what's right. This is like a mind boggler. And we're invited into that story in the Christmas story. Mary's apparent infidelity would be considered a huge shame and a social stigma according to the law of Moses, which was in effect at the time. Joseph could divorce her just out of hand or authorities could stone her to death. Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 23 and 24. So it turns out that whatever you think the story's about, when Mary says yes to God's plan, she's placing herself at risk. Risk of ridicule, risk of rejection, risk of rebuke. She could lose her reputation. She could lose her marriage. She could lose her life. This is not a small risk she's taking in saying yes to God. Now, Joseph, ah, uh, Joseph, this is a nightmare scenario. You've ever been in one of those? those one of those places where, a, a situation where you just feel like this is the world's worst nightmare and I can't find my way out. Joseph's feeling that. 
Matthew chapter one, verse 19, because Joseph was faithful to the law. That means he's the kind of man who wants to do the right thing. And then it says he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He wants to do the right thing, but he wants to do it in the right way that would cause the least amount of damage. So he has in mind to divorce her quietly. Let's just handle this under the radar. A lot of people don't need to know about this. This is what he's thinking, okay? And as he was considering this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. This is what the story says, in a dream. And explains the situation to him with these instructions. Be not afraid. Now, I've heard of grooms that need to be told, don't be afraid to get married before. But be not afraid to take her as your wife because in fact, the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, the angel says. And then, as she said, she will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. What just happened? God entered the nightmare scenario with a divine dream coming true. And the bottom line, if you get to know Joseph through his story, he's a man of few words, but he's a man of action. And so he does what the Lord commanded. He wants to do the right thing. He wants to do it in the right way. But it's clear that there's no escaping scandal here. And so I don't think we're supposed to miss this. Into this scandalized environment comes God's message. Don't be afraid. What are we supposed to take from that? Well, here's what I'm taking. The gospel is not afraid of scandal. Jesus was born in it. Jesus died in it. When Paul writes to the people of Corinth, again, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23, he calls the crucified Christ a scandal. That's the Greek word he uses, scandalos. And then he says it's a scandal to the Jews, and then it's moronic to the Gentile world. It's offensive and it's absurd. It doesn't make sense. And yet at the heart of the gospel that we celebrate at Christmas is this truth. Jesus is a friend of sinners. Jesus is numbered with the transgressors. From the alpha to the omega of his earthly life, Jesus isn't afraid of scandal. Now, if you're like me, you're kind of ready for the news cycles to find something more to report on than the next salacious tale of harassment and abuse of scandal. I was at a... Uh, fundraiser for a not-for-profit in our community not too long ago, and a man who's not a member of our church, but a community leader pulled me off to the side in private, and he said, isn't anybody good anymore? Maybe you've wondered the same thing. Um, people have been talking about draining the swamp, and it looks like it's more of a cesspool on some days, right? It's like, man, this is the world's worst nightmare and we can't get out of it. How do we get out of it? Well, this is what Joseph is feeling. This is the story right here. Joseph is looking for a way out of the scandal and a way through the sense of personal betrayal and the breaking of trust that he had, a way to maybe lessen the pain. Is there a way to turn down the shame on this one? And God gives it to him. It's in the story. Did you see where? Jesus, who will save his people 
from their sins. Now we live in a scandalous world, a scandalous time where scripture declares to us something that we tend to want to deny. Here it is. There is no one righteous, not even one. Not one. All have sinned. All means like everybody. <laughs> everybody you know, everybody you see, even when you're looking in the mirror, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, this is a big problem. God's got a big problem on his hands, right? How does he handle it? How does he respond to the big problem? He starts in a small way. With the next to invisible couple, God loves to use small things. He starts with a practically invisible couple from a small town, a young woman who thinks of herself not as a celebrity, but as a servant. And starts with a common working guy who is in a nightmare scenario, trying to find his way out to do the right thing and decides he's gonna trust God's word and let go of his ego and let go of his plans and receive the promise that God has for him. Now, there's lessons that just bubble up in this for me. One of them may be this. Surely nobody is beyond the reach of God's promise, which means that it doesn't matter who you are or where you've been, God can use you. It means that you don't have to have it all in order to experience all that God has for you. Does that make sense? You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't, know, have, to, you don't have to know how it all works. Uh, when God calls, you just have to come. You just have to say, amen. So nobody is beyond the reach of God's promise. Nobody's too small for God to go big with. What does that mean? Stop making excuses. You've been thinking, well, I'm not smart enough. I'm a nobody. I can't sing. I can't preach. I'm not connected enough. I'm not a missionary. <laughs> Listen, God, you can do anything God wants you to when he meets you there with his promise. And his promises can come true through you, no matter what nightmare you're in or what scandal you may be facing. Nobody's too small for God to go big with and nobody is the wrong person to share Christ with. Nobody. Jesus came for everybody. That's a good thing because everybody needs, <laughs> every sinner needs forgiveness. Every person needs salvation. Nobody's a nobody, everybody's a somebody, and Jesus came so that everybody's sins could be forgiven. There is no problem so big that God can't go small to overcome it. That's what's happening here. And none are so small that God can't go big in their life. God loves to use the small things, which raises this question. Where are you feeling small today? Where do you feel overcome, overworked, overlooked? Where do you feel neglected? Where do you feel like people don't get you? Where do you feel like um, I'm outnumbered? Where do you feel hungry for more? Where do you feel thirsty for meaning? Where do you feel scandalized? Is there something you just really don't want anybody to know? This is the Christmas story and God's response to Mary and Joseph comes in the form of promises that God fulfills in Christ. Now, some of you may want to go deeper in this. I would suggest that you take a look at the source of the promises that the angel tells them about. For instance, when the angel speaks to Mary, he says, you know what God's doing here? He's keeping his promise to the prophets Samuel and Daniel. God's just keeping his promise and he wants to keep it through you. When he talks to Joseph, he says, God is keeping his promises here. A promise that he made through Isaiah hundreds of years before, but he wants to keep it through you. 
And then in the song that Mary writes, after the experience uh, with Elizabeth, she's moved and inspired to, to write the song called the Magnificat. And she makes a reference in that song to nine different Psalms, to two books of Moses from the Torah, and to the prophet Isaiah, what's she doing? She is celebrating that God keeps his promises, that God makes his promises and God keeps his promises. And all of those promises from the law, the prophets, and the writings, the Psalms, that's a summation of the entire Old Testament. And what Mary is saying is, they're all coming together and they're all coming true in my life in Jesus Christ. And God's promises come true in our lives in the same way. This is what Paul wrote to the Corinthians. Again, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. 2 Corinthians 1.20. Do you know how many promises are in the Bible? Do you know how many promises God has made? Doesn't matter. He says, no matter how many he made, he keeps them all in Christ. This is part of the good news for us. Jesus is our access point to all of the promises of God. And this is why we tell people, you don't need more than Jesus. You just need to access more of the Jesus you already have. Though you will never go deeper than Jesus, but we can all go deeper in Jesus, because the promises of God are all yes in him. It's like receiving Christ is the beginning of the journey. Receiving Christ in salvation is where it begins. But then as you grow in Christ, you start coming to know him through his promises. You can think of it this way. Receiving Christ is like getting a new car, okay? Growing in Christ is driving your car by the fuel of God's promises, to the destination that he brings you to. He has a plan for your life. So let's get, let's get practical then. How can you access the promises of God today for this week in your life? A couple of words come to mind, several, well, maybe four. Believe is where it begins. Believe that you already have them in Christ. John the apostle said that in Christ we have life. He who has the son has life. And all of the promises of God are in the Son. So you already have the promises in you. Believe that he who has the Son has all the promises of God that are yes in him. Second word, know. We're meant to grow to know him. We get to know him through getting to know the promises. So the pro it's like the promises are these timeless coupons with no expiration date from God. And he gives them to us in his word so that we can start getting to know him through his word, get to know his character through his promises, and then trust them on our own. That's the third word. So part of growing in Christ is just know what you have in him through time in his word together. And then as you start discovering it, trust them as your own. That means appropriate what you have in Christ as your own. This is wardrobe in your closet. Put it on. These are already yours in Christ. And so you pick those promises and you say, this is mine and I'm gonna act like it. I'm gonna live like it. Promises like what? Well, like this one. God says, Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Okay, you act as if that's happening right now. Whatever else is going on in your life, God has not forsaken me. There's another one that says that in Christ, we have eternal life. That doesn't mean you have to wait till you die to find out if you're gonna make heaven or not. It means that right now, we are experiencing the quality of God's eternal life by faith in him. So you claim that as your own. Or here's another one. No matter what circumstance, 
Nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Jesus Christ. You know, this is a promise that is ours in him. And I'm telling you, there are three promises right now that if you own them as your own, they're going to bless your life today. Right now, to believe them, to trust them, to know, to know them, to trust them, and then to own them as your own, and then to live them out. You do what Mary and Joseph did when the angel brought the invitation of God's promise to them. They just said, Amen. I'm in, and then now they're living them out. In your daily walk, at home, at school, at work, at church, in ministry, you know, you talk about them when you're in your group. You pray them back to God when you're talking to him in prayer. You're reminding him of his word, and you're laying hold of his promise because God wants you to live a life of promise. Now, that doesn't mean you won't have problems. Mary and Joseph had problems, but their lives were fulfilling God's promises in the midst of the problems, and this is our hope, too. So wherever you are in your journey, the next step to get to the promise of God, maybe you're successful. Is it time that you move from success into significance? Have you discovered that success isn't filling all the longings of your heart, that you're still hungry and you're still thirsty for more? Then is it time to step beyond the success motions into significance and start living for meaning from God in your life? Like, like Joseph did, to say, I guess I'll just let go of my plans and my ego and say, God, do you have a plan for my life? I want in on that. Or like Mary did, when it meant that what she saw as her future may not turn out the way she envisioned it, but she said, I want what you want for my life, God. Is it time for you to, have you ever said that before? Christmas is a good time to say it. Or what she also did, step up into service. I'm here to serve. Is it time to find a place to make a difference for somebody else? And just like we said earlier on a parent dedication weekend where we become the village of the environment to try to help our young people and our children, every age and stage, find a place where they can be affirmed, encouraged, taught, challenged, inspired, corrected, all the rest of it, but in an environment of love where it's because of us that we make the difference. The way we're able to say yes as a congregation to that is through the volunteering of our own members who at every age and stage have said, I'll be there to try to help and we'll love each other's kids together. And that's the way this church became what it is in our lives as well as yours. So maybe it's time to step up into service. You know, for those young men in the making that are in middle school, you're saying, hey, I could be a mentor. Or maybe for one of the young ladies that you're, you're concerned about in a culture that seems to be more predatory by the day, that you would love to be able to know where the guardrails are and how to build the boundaries in and, and show self-respect and esteem for our teens. Well, this is how we do it, through volunteering, saying, so I'll step up and I'll try to help somebody else. Or maybe it's time to pass. And what I mean is to pass on the luxuries that you're used to indulging yourself in and instead give a gift that could make a difference to a kid in another country through our missions opportunity that Christmas could intersect somebody else's poverty in a way that could make a difference for them. Maybe it's just time to let go of excuses. Whatever excuses have been holding you back. You know, I'm not smart enough. I don't know enough. I'm not good enough. There's too much scandal in my life, if you only knew. Uh, I'm too small. Hey, guess what? You small? Then you're qualified for God's use because God loves 
to use small things. In fact, that's what Christmas is all about. And thinking of that, even a small invitation can make a big difference. Is it time to invite somebody, a business associate, a friend, a family member, a neighbor, just to find a little hope in their life? Because we all have a tendency to feel small from time to time and to hunger for more, to thirst, to be loved, to have somebody pay attention. Is that right? Here's what Jesus said. Let the little children come to me. Let the little children come. So once again, we bring them today, Lord. But then we come too, knowing that you are so big, we're all little. But it pleases you to continue to big, to make a big difference, even with little things, when we say yes to you. Would you pray with me? Gracious Father, almighty, infinite God, we humble ourselves before you and are just in awe of this thought that you would care so much about us, about this world, about the mess that we find ourselves in, that you would go small to make a big difference in Christ. We worship you, we love you, and we thank you that you have not given up on us. And I'm also praying today for parents from all of our campuses, all of our experiences who have come to present themselves and say, Lord, we are seeking your blessing in our home and our hearts for our little ones, for extended families who have been here with them. And now for church family who are saying, we wanna be your family for our kids. And so Father, would you grace us once again to come as your little children into your arms and find our way together And brother, sister, where, where are you feeling small today? Is there some scandal haunting you that you could let Jesus meet you there and bring grace and mercy and forgiveness? Would you do it now? Perhaps you're on the front end of your spiritual journey and would like to know how can I begin a personal relationship with Jesus. And it comes through prayer, a prayer like this. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sins. I receive the gift of salvation through your death on the cross. And I now ask you to lead me into the life of promise that you have for me. In your name I pray. Now our heads still bowed just for a moment, but if you prayed that prayer with me and would let me ask God's blessing upon your next steps of faith, I'd like to invite you to raise your hand just for a moment and hold it up. Uh, if you're joining us online, then you can click that orange banner right there and we'll be praying for you as well. Thank you here to my left in the center section on the aisle. God bless you toward the back. Thank you, sir to my far left, right on the, on the wall, God bless you. And then over to my right again, two more, God bless you. Lord Jesus, for each of these people, so precious to you, who have lifted their hands because their hearts are thirsty and hungry and open and have received you, now we pray that your spirit would fill them with peace and joy and assure them of the promises you have made as they now learn how to drive their car with you. We make our prayer in Jesus' name, 
Amen.